Hi, and welcome to Heart of the Matter. Happy 4th of July, everybody. I know that you've left the park, you've left your meals, you're probably even left family members to come in and watch the show, and we're grateful you did. Uh, is this a live call-in show? Yes, it is, and I'm gonna give you the number for that in a little while. This is a little different from the usual start-off. All right, let's start off with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We love you. We're grateful for this airtime. Please be with the viewers. Please be with the studio people. And just help this to be a great interaction talking about you, your word, and your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start off with an apology. Last week I said that we were going to talk about the Book of Mormon tonight. There's two reasons that I'm not going to do that. One, I'm not completely prepared with what I would want to say. And two, it's the 4th of July and we thought that viewership might be down and it's a very important message. Not that this one isn't, but with viewership possibly down tonight, we wanted to talk about something so key to the Mormon Church as the Book of Mormon when there's more people watching. So next week, tune in for a talk about the Book of Mormon. However, Tonight we're going to have an excellent show and we're going to talk about something that is very important and I think applicable to the day. And that is freedom. And that is liberty. But I'm not going to be talking about um, civil freedom or freedom in the United States of America, even though that is what we're celebrating today, what we call Independence Day. I'm going to talk about another kind. But being that it is Independence Day, I want to make a corollary to religious freedom and spiritual freedom with what happened in the United States back so long ago. Um, this is a day where we celebrate our forefathers signing, just signing, the Declaration of Independence. This was not a known document at all at the time. In fact, they signed it and no one really knew what it was for probably another good five years. It was very significant, but it didn't have much bearing at that time. However, when our forefathers signed their names, I think it was 84 men, put their John Hancock, no pun intended, on that document, what they said is, I am willing to die. I am willing to lose everything. I am willing to give it all up for what I believe this document says. That's a momentous day, and that's what we celebrate on the 4th of July, the signing of the Declaration of Independence. I always thought there was something tied into it different than that, but... We wanted out from under the thumb of King George. We wanted out from under his taxes. We wanted out from under the culture he proposed. We wanted out uh, from under his control. So it was very significant. We wanted independence. We wanted the liberty to exist according to our own conscience. And on this day, they signed their names and we're, we're saying when they sign, we're willing to die for our signatures. And so today we celebrate that and I'm grateful for it. But I too want to talk to you about freedom that I have sought and maybe many of you have sought as well, and that's spiritual freedom. I looked long and hard to find freedom from religious persecution, if you will, or religious indoctrination or religious thumb uh, pressing. I wanted to be free, and this led me to search for the Lord with all my heart. And it started back when I was a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, commonly known as a Mormon. I would have signed my name to a death list if I knew that I could have known liberty um, by doing so. I was burdened under the weight of religiosity, of man-made rules, and of legalisms. And I found myself under constant scrutiny and condemnation for things that I would do or think that weren't necessarily wrong. I too sought spiritual revolution, often in the wrong places, 
until I came to that side of the road and I asked the Lord Jesus Christ to take over my life. I asked him to release me from the bondage that I was under, the religious bondage as I perceived it, the legalisms that are not about what the New Testament teaches. And I prayed for God to do that, and he gave me liberty. He gave me new hope. He released the shackles from around my heart and my mind. And he let me know that liberty comes from having a genuine relationship with him and not with religion. It was in this state that God changed my heart and my war, my rebellion, ended. Freedom was won when certainty in Him, not myself, replaced fear and doubts and questioning and striving. There's a great story told in the Synoptic Gospels that help illustrate the concept of spiritual liberty through Jesus versus bondage in religiosity. If you turn to Mark chapter 3, 1 through 5, that's the, those are the verses I'm going to read. And we're going to read those tonight in context of liberty. I'm also going to use Luke 6, 6 through 11, part of the, another gospel to help support what I'm talking about. So let me set the scene. Jesus is walking through a cornfield with his disciples. And actually it wasn't corn, it was wheat. And they're taking the wheat off and they're rubbing it in their hands and they're eating the wheat. And the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the religious rulers of the day are condemning that. And they ask Jesus, why are they doing that? And Jesus refuted, refuted this condemnation by saying, remember David? when his guys were hungry and they went into the temple and they ate the shoe bread, and he used that example as justification for what they were doing on the Sabbath. He then headed into a synagogue, and he apparently or possibly was followed by these same religious leaders. Nonetheless, he was met by religious leaders in the synagogue, and in Mark 3, 1, verse 1, we're going to read. This is the setting. And he again entered into the synagogue... And a man was there who had a withered right hand. When we enter a church, often we don't look for the guy with the withered right hand, or we don't look for the person who's struggling. Often when we enter churches, we look for the ones who seem to have the most going for them. We look for the ones who might be dressed the best. We might look for the ones who are sitting on the stand who seem to have spiritual insights that we don't have. We look for the ones who seem to have everything going for them, and we pay our attention to them. But this is not how Jesus was. When Jesus walked into that synagogue, he focused his attention on the one who needed him most. And uh, verse number two, and uh, so, sorry about that. I propose to you that nothing has changed today, that Jesus continues to look for the person who needs him most. If you're involved in a religious organization where you are not at the top of the heap, Jesus is looking for you. If you are part of a religion where other people are getting the attention because of whatever position they have, I'm not saying Jesus doesn't love them, but he's looking at you. He's reaching and calling out to you. He did that then, he's doing it now. I propose that Jesus sees the broken, the suffering, the weakened, and the down and out. It is to these he gives his attention. It's to these he gave his attention when he was on the earth. Let's read in verse 2. And they, talking about the scribes and Pharisees, watched him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath day so that they might accuse him. 
You see, these religious men had ideas in their head of right and wrong based on the religious rules they concocted. When people operate by set rules and codes and laws, they have a built-in system to automatically judge and condemn other people, which is antithetical to what Jesus taught. Yes, there was order and meaning in their rules, and this, this Jesus was breaking and bending all the rules right before their eyes. Now listen to this verse. Listen. Luke 6, 8. But he knew their thoughts, talking about Jesus looking at the Sadducees and Pharisees, and said to the man with the withered hand, Rise up and stand in the middle. And he rose and stood. This is important stuff. Jesus knew what was in the religionist heads and heart. He knew that it was against their man-made rules to heal on the Sabbath, and he knew that they were so tied up with these laws that they lost the ability to love like God wanted them to love and have compassion like God wanted them to have compassion. In essence, they demanded allegiance to their religion over their allegiance to the heart of God. It was church over Christ, legalism over love, religious rules over righteous, godlike deeds. So Jesus asked the crippled man to stand in the middle of these religious leaders. It was almost as if the Lord was saying, Arise, you have nothing to lose but your chains. He had this guy stand in the middle of them for a reason, which we'll discuss in a minute. The man could have refused to stand. He could have said, no, I'm embarrassed, or no, I'm afraid. He could have run away, or he could have looked over to the religious leaders and said, should I, get, should I stand up, stake president? I mean, Sanhedrin? Should I, should I run away, bishop? Is it okay to do what this, what this Jesus is telling me to do? He didn't do that. Listen, he followed. He followed exactly what Jesus told him to do. This is faith. Not knowing the result, not knowing what's going to happen, but listening to what the Lord says and doing it in spite of the embarrassment or the danger that could come as a result. This is faith from a man who desperately wanted to be free, both physically from his withered hand and I would suggest maybe even more so religiously. And so Jesus has this man with the withered hand standing in the middle of the religious rulers and he turns to these rulers and he speaks, Mark, verse, uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 4. And he said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they were silent, Mark says. Jesus was pushing their religion right in their face with this very straightforward question. And what did they do? They were silent. Why? Why were they silent? Because their religion had reckoned what they did unreasonable. It had become a burden that defied normal, simple liberty that God wanted all his children to have. It had become a trap. Jesus knew it. They knew it. And he asked them, is it lawful to do good? Isn't that an ironic kind of a pathetic question to have to ask a religious leader. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day? And these religious rulers couldn't even answer it. It was so absurd. 
we get an interesting reaction from Jesus thereafter. Verse 5. And looking around on them with anger, being grieved because of the hardness of their hearts. When we think of Jesus, we think of love and compassion, a desire to reach out to the people with withered lives. We don't think of him as angry. This is the only time in Scripture, and if someone wants to call and correct me, I think they can, maybe, but I think it's the only time in Scripture where the word anger or angry is used toward Jesus. It's not used when we talk about him cleaning the temple. It's just inferred. We see him make a whip. We see him throw it over tables, but it never says he was angry. This is the only reference where it says Jesus with anger looked at these religious leaders. That's important to know. He was angry because he knew their hearts. Their hearts were more concerned about religion, about their church, about their power and control over people than over human suffering. Their hearts were set, and in the end it was set on murder because they were looking for a reason to murder the very Son of God, and they used religion to do that. Mark often writes when he talks about Jesus in his gospel of the looks Jesus gives. There's five or six references where Mark says, and he looked, or he was looking. Can you imagine the look Jesus gave those religious leaders who were sitting around there saying, this man, he's going to break the rules. Can you imagine the look he gave those guys? I, I, I hope I can see that someday in, in replay or something to know what exactly it looked like. Then he turned back to the man with the withered hand and he said, stretch out your hand. This was impossible. The man's hand was withered. He couldn't stretch it out. And the man could have said, I can't stretch it out. It's withered. It's crippled. I can't do that. But instead he did. He reached out. He stretched his hand out. He reached out toward the Lord. He reached out, open, up, sideways, I don't know. But he did again what the Lord commanded. First, he stood in front of the religious leaders and he said, I'm going to look on this guy. I'm going to look on this Lord. He's the one who's going to take over my life and direction. I'm going to follow him. And he stood. Then, when the Lord said, stretch out your hand and be healed, he did it. It's amazing. If you are LDS or under the rule of any organized religion or religious leader, there are two very important aspects of this story that you need to consider. When the man stretched out his hand, the scripture says, and he stretched it out and his hand was restored whole like the other. Just to let you know, like the other is not in the original manuscripts. But his hand was restored whole. First, Jesus is calling you to stand up amidst the religious leaders of your life and to look to him, not them. There is no pastor or preacher or pope or prophet who can save you. There is not one of them who can lead you into God's presence. Not one, not a man on this earth, not past, not present, but Jesus, but Jesus. And he had that man stand amidst those religious rulers. You have to do the same thing. You have to be willing to stand against everything they say and look to Jesus. They might scoff. They might threaten you. In, uh, uh, they might infer that you're going to have great difficulty for leaving their organization. 
that the Lord is going to curse them. They're going to say all kinds of things because they care more about religion than relationship. They might warn you that you're going to lose your salvation if you go and follow Jesus alone. I've heard that myself. But stand up and look to him who is the way, the truth, and the life. The second thing to do once you have stood is to reach out to him in unfettered faith. Are you withered and bound up? Reach out to Jesus Christ. Are you burdened by religion that demands and demands and demands? Reach out to Jesus Christ alone. Have you been born again? Have you been given a new heart? Are you a new creature? Are you able to respond to God and He responds to you and you have new eyes and you understand His Word in new ways? If not, reach out to Him. Stretch forth your hands to Jesus Christ. Turn from the religious rhetoric of your life. Walk from man-made religion that keeps you bound. Trust only in Him, the one who can give you life and salvation. Jesus came to the man with the withered hand and offered himself as the freedom and liberty for his life. He didn't offer Joseph. He didn't offer a book that was extra biblical. He didn't offer temple rituals. He didn't offer modern day prophets and apostles. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy burden, and I, I will give you rest. This is what the Lord said. I know that you face insurmountable rejection for choosing Jesus over religion, uh, especially in this state. I know you face the potential to lose work and to lose family and marriage and children and fellowship and security. How do I know? I've been there. I was LDS. I know the reactions that come from people when they hear that you say that you have been born again. I was told by someone very close to me that that was just of the devil. Can you believe that? My life has changed for the better since I've been born again. And they will say, the religionists, it's of the devil. I know very well most of the arguments that are going to be thrown your way, but all those arguments have one purpose, to keep you bound, to take your liberty and not give you freedom in him. We're going to open up the phone lines now. Use today, the 4th of July, 2006, to be your day of liberty, to get out. Did you hear? Get out. Make it a day of independence from man-made religion. And make it a day of dependence upon God. I call this Dependence Day. Our nation would be much better if we called it Dependence Upon God Day rather than Independence for Individuality. Make it a day. I promise you that He will give you what He's promised. Peace, rest, a new vision, a new heart. How can a person ever go wrong trusting God too much? How could you ever go wrong trusting the God of heaven too much. All right, let's go to the phones. We're waiting on that one. I got a question here. Actually, this was a call from an elderly lady who says, who are you trying to fool? You are still a Mormon. 
the way you conduct yourself, your vocabulary, the way you take charge, you don't belong to this other group at all. You are far above that. Hmm. I still love you very much, and I will have faith and pray for you that you will find the right church and come back. You, have, you could have been a general authority by now. <laughs> oh, you're a sweet lady. Uh, you have so much on the ball. You have a beautiful vocabulary, yada, yada, yada. The way you handle yourself in front of people, I think you're wonderful. You don't belong in a dinky church. I want to say something to this kind lady. My flesh loves those compliments, boy. You know, who doesn't like a good compliment? But let me tell you something. The Lord uses the weak things of the world. He doesn't use guys with vocabulary. I'm a TV show. That's it. The Lord uses the weak things. And I never would want to be a general authority who walks through in stiff white shirts and has people fawning all over them. When they walk in, a, think about this, this kind lady, think about this. When they walk in a, a, a chapel, people stand. Can you believe that? They stand. I want people to call me Big Fat Pig like they did last week. That shows the real thing. So you've got the picture wrong with me, all right? I don't want to be a general authority, never would. I want to be a servant, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. And that's what being spiritually reborn has done for me. All right, we got Johnny in Orem, first time caller online too. Johnny, you're on Heart of the Matter. I was kind of dismayed last week to some, to some of the comments you were getting, and I just want to tell you that I look forward to your show every Tuesday. I'm glad um, you decided to uh, have your show live tonight. I wasn't sure if, if you were going to do that, and um, I think we should all be grateful how you stretch out your hand to the community. And uh, So I just want to tell you, keep up the good work. You're definitely blessed, and there are a lot of us out here that like what you're doing. Thanks, Johnny. I really appreciate your support, truly. Thank you so much, my friend. Take care, brother. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We got more calls, but not yet. All right, more questions. Um, this one from No Name. Uh, the things he is saying about the LDS Church is not exactly positive Christian and are not completely truthful, like we are a civic organization, etc., there are Christians in many different organizations. Publicly bashing the LDS is not right. It's not appropriate to bash another church. Okay? Well, I want to say a couple things about that. I get this every now and then. Uh, Joseph Smith started the church off by saying that God told him that all the churches were an abomination. That's a bash if I've ever heard one. It's a bash when a church stands up and says, we are the only true church on the face of this earth. That means that the rest of them are false. And falsehoods come from the devil, so we know what that infers. That's a bash. 1 Timothy 1.18 talks about warring a good warfare. Uh, Jude 1.3 talks about uh, contending for the faith. Uh, 1 Timothy 6.12 talks about fighting the good fight. Uh, we have a lot, I get a lot of things that saying, hey, you need to be more peaceable about the way you approach them. There's a, a movement going on about how you just love and love, and that's true. But I'm going to defend the faith when Latter-day Saints will call and either attack it or say that they embrace things that are Christian that they do not. You'll see if you look back on the programs, I usually don't get mad 
and I usually don't get red in the face unless a Latter-day Saint calls and says, but we are this, we do this all the time, we teach this in every meeting, and that's when it gets my uh, fire up. Now they'll all do that. All right, we're going to uh, Great Grandma Barbara in Salt Lake City on line one. Son, it is so wonderful to see you again. I was hopeful that we wouldn't have to miss you tonight. Oh, thanks, Barbara. God Great Grandma. You. You're, you're just such a joy. And you remember that uh, I spent most of my life trying to find the truth. And uh, I finally found Jesus. And you know that. And when you find Jesus, you know you found the real Jesus. And I, I had a hard time figuring out, well, who is this? The Jesus of the Mormon Church is different from the Jesus of, of Christianity. I know the difference now because I know what I was taught when I was little. And I know what happened when I found the real Jesus. Amen. I was filled with love in my heart. And I can't see you as a big fat pig. I could never have said it because I have so much love in my heart for you. And you're so handsome. You look just like one of my brothers. And you have such a fabulous physique. So I knew <laughs> Grandma, that I'd reached someone. You are being tricked by the camera, let me tell you. You no, saw this I'm thing not live. Being tricked by the camera. Well, I love you. Thanks for calling. Thanks for your kind words. And let's keep praying for each other. Oh, yes. And for all those people to know the truth, it does make a change in your heart. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Bye bye. We're going to Karen, first time caller from Tooele. Hi. Hi. How are you, Karen? Oh, I'm working on it. Sean, um, we really enjoy your program. It's been a long time in coming um, for this area. Christians that were raised here know that the like to show the other day, um, they used to call themselves Mormon. It's just been something yeah. that's gone on forever. Yeah. And for those of us who have been in Christ and have been here and have worked so hard for so long for these people, we want them to know we do love them, we do care, but we want it right. And sometimes things aren't right. And for you to come out from, and many others have come out, Right. Um, in fact, our church group's got several, and we're really, you know, kind of happy about that because we enjoy them in our little community of church. But it's amazing what it takes and what God will use and what He does with people who are willing. And praise want God. them to know that. Amen. Hey, thanks for that comment, too. It made me think that caller last week, what it was, if you weren't watching, was someone kept calling, they called and they complained that I was referring to the Latter-day Saints as Mormons. Right. And, and, and Karen here is saying that, you know, they've, always, they've called themselves Mormons. Do you remember when they used to say the Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints, in their ads, and then in parentheses, they'd have the Mormons? Uh-huh. Yeah. And I used, so leave me know, alone, I dude. used to remember when I was, in fact, years and years ago, um, you'd have to understand I'm pretty old and was raised in this area, but... We used to uh, have issues because we were not insiders. We were not of the norm, and we were ostracized by different ones around here. Now, fortunately, that kind of subsided some, but it still sometimes is a major issue. Wow. I mean, you know, you find out that they find out my children are not of what is considered the norm around here. Right. And sometimes they're not even allowed to play with other children because of them being something else and stuff like that it's just been you know it's always been hard to take like i said it's eased up some but even things really you know show a prejudice on the other side and i'm not trying to place blame because everyone's different and there's some that are much better about some of that than right. others but well you've put up with a lot karen yeah. and uh 
thank you for the call. We'll move on and keep uh, watching the show. Uh, we will, and we'll keep you in prayer. Thanks, Thanks Karen. Bye-bye. We're going to Merrill and Holiday on line three. Merrill is a repeat caller who I've met personally and actually liked him personally. How you doing, Sean? Doing well. What's going on? Merrill is LDS, by the way. Uh, I wanted to, first of all, compliment you and your station. That was a great event, that Heart in the Park, and I hope you have it again. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Uh, if we could go over to Ephesians chapter 2. Oh, boy. Here we go. Ephesians 2, okay. Princess. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Okay. I'll just start here now. Therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of, of, of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Uh-huh. Moving over to chapter 4. Oh, you're going to skip around. you got to be quick, Merrill. Verse, verse 11. Okay. Ephesians verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 11. Okay. Um, let's see. We don't need to read the whole thing. Want me to read it? Well, no. Um, let's read it. And he gave some sure. apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. Okay, keep going. For the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, and the edifying of the body of Christ. Okay. Uh, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the perfect knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and uh -huh. cunning craftiness, where they lie in wait to deceive. Uh -huh. Let me first of all comment. I'm, I'm a little embarrassed at uh, some members of uh, my faith that have been railing on you. I don't know you personally. I don't know you that well. I, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt, brother, that you're sincere, uh -huh. that you're, you, you're doing what you feel in your heart. Right. And I'm not, I'm not judging you. I'm not, uh, I wouldn't cer certainly wouldn't say that there's a special place in hell for you, <laughs> as a brother said a couple of weeks ago. Right. Totally embarrassed me. Anyway, uh, the Savior established a church. Right. It was um, administered in the New Testament by the apostles and prophets. Right. And, of course, you know my feeling that there was a falling away, which was predicted, and there was a restitution of all things by Peter. Uh, the Bible is one of the words of God, okay. certainly. We must be born again. We have to have a personal relationship with the Savior okay. through the administrations of the Holy Ghost. All right, Merrill. You've got to make it. you got to get to the question. Okay. Um, we have here helpers. We have here people. We have, in my feeling, current prophets and apostles to assist us. Okay. Do you want me to answer that sure. Christian view? Yeah. The Christian view, Merrill, is one, we think that there's order in the Word of God. In fact, I was just talking about this earlier. And the Word of God always says apostles and prophets. We believe that there's a difference between the position of a of prophet and the gift of prophecy i have no problem believing in prophets today i have no problem believing in apostles okay but there's a difference between being led by a prophet today like a, unto moses or having jesus as your prophet priest and king the problem was is that joseph was a very uh, very fond of old testament theology and he carried forth the, the ideas from Malachi on into the New Testament and passed to himself, and that he's receiving new revelation. 
not being a special witness of Jesus Christ like the apostles were at the time of Jesus' day. Now, I know Latter-day Saints claim that he saw Jesus and that makes him uh, uh, an apostle and that his prophecy... You know that we believe that he was ordained along with, with Oliver Cowdery by Peter, James, and John. I understand that. Let me, since you brought this up, and we don't have time for all the listeners to go into, but we will have a, a discussion on priesthood authority and prophets and apostles in later shows. Sure. Let me just ask you this. Will you read about, read Grant Palmer's, who's LDS, read um, uh, Richard Bushman's latest book on Joseph Smith, Rough Stone Rolling. Both of those men are LDS. Read what they say about the restoration of the priesthood. Read what they say about uh, the, when these things happen and if they happen, and read about the differences in the accounts of how it happened, and I think it's going to put some new light on exactly if it happened. Okay. Uh, and, and call back and report, and we'll talk again. Okay, thanks, Sean. Thanks, Merrill. Take care. All right, we are going to uh, Calvin in Salt Lake City on line one. Calvin, how are you? Hey, how you doing? Doing well, thanks. Hey, uh, I just have a simple question for you. Mm -hmm. uh, I was wondering if you believe that someone could be saved without doing good works. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. The thief on the cross, I believe, is the, the, the final great example. I think that happened for a reason. And uh, I don't think he was able to do many good works up there. He did do one. You know, he recognized Jesus as, as the Lord and then uh, had faith on his position as uh, the Christ, and he was saved. Uh, but as far as good works, no. I, I, I think you can. many people have been saved uh, without doing any good works. Well, well let's just uh, say that a person lives, you know, a few years after they confess that Jesus is their Lord. Uh -huh. um, would you say that they would have to exercise good works in order to be saved? It's a great question. Let me answer it this way. When a person accepts Jesus Christ, they are a babe in Christ. Paul talks about that. And the things that they do as babies are similar to what babies do in the flesh. They make messes. They make mistakes. They, they, they just wreak havoc everywhere they go until they start to learn what it means to walk with the Lord. So the regenerative process of, of accepting Jesus as your Savior sanctifies you before the Father and allows you to return. It's the lifelong process of sanctification that takes time. And when you give the two-year thing, I don't know. Some, some people take a long time to learn to walk with the Lord. So I don't put a time frame on it. But I do know that it is very important for people who claim to follow Jesus Christ to obey Him and to do His works. Absolutely. And I have yet to meet a Christian in my walk that claims Jesus Christ as their Savior truly and, and, and doesn't walk after Him. So you would say that a person that after a few years of saying they were born of Christ, did not exercise good works, would you say they're not saved? No, I, I wouldn't say they weren't saved because there's a difference between your positional relationship with Jesus Christ and your conditional relationship with Him. Conditionally, when you sin, you're going to find yourself at odds with the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. Positionally, you're always going to be with Him because He knows who are His and He never lets them go. The reason I say this, besides all the, uh, the uh, theological reasons, Calvin, which is a really interesting name that we're talking about this, but the reason I say this, Calvin, is because um, you can't have peace in your life if your salvation is predicated on every move you make. You'll never have peace. 
you'll constantly be wondering, well, am I okay with God now? Oh, I just had a lustful thought. No, now if I die now, I'm going to, you know, it's, there's no peace. Jesus promised peace, and I can attest to you that he gave, gives you that peace when you're reborn, and then you walk with him, and then those works, they've got to follow people who are lifelong Christians. Well, isn't it true that with some people, spiritual rebirth isn't an instantaneous thing, but it occurs over a long period of time? Yeah, but again, we're talking about different parts of spiritual rebirth. And, and quickly, there's justification. That's accepting Jesus as, as your Savior, as, as the person who brings you to the Father through faith on Him. And then there's sanctification. That's a lifelong pr process. And finally, there's resurrection, which is the, probably the end of the whole rebirth process. And that's getting a brand new body. So it is processional in a way. And I've always said the LDS Church is very good at the, at the sanctification of people. They help them get their lives in order. They help them walk a good life. But I pretend that they miss the most important element, and that's the focus on being born again through Jesus Christ by faith and faith alone. I think for your time, I love your show, man. What's that? I love your show. I, I hey. appreciate your comments. Hey, thanks, Calvin. Thanks for calling. Keep watching. Thank you, buddy. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. We're going to uh, Eric in Harrisville. Name off the books. Eric in Harrisville. How you doing, man? Pretty good. How you doing, Sean? Doing well. Um, I need a little information if I can get it from you. Yes. Uh, when I was eight years old, I was baptized into the LDS Church. And uh, about four years ago, I was saved. I received Christ as my Savior and have, have joined Faith Baptist Church, and, and I'm an active member there. Praise God. And I wanted to get my name removed off the books of the LDS Church. So I, I located the name and the address of my uh, the pastor, or not, excuse me, the pastor, the bishop in this area. Uh -huh. And I wrote that that uh, person a letter, you know, explaining that I would like to, some information and some help getting this, this accomplished. Yes. And that it was very important to me. And I never even received an acknowledgement back from them. Yeah. And I was just wondering if there was, if you had any information of where I could uh, write to or how I would get this accomplished. Yeah. Eric, email me at www. Uh, no, no. Email me at sean at bornagainmormon.com. That's my email address. And I have uh, kind of the uh, thumbnail sketch of what you need to do. You need to be persistent. You need to be demanding. And, uh, and we have found, I have an article from a very good friend of mine that's very reputable, that even if you have your names taken off the church, they're still counting you as a member, but uh, keeps their numbers up. But in any case, um, email me, and I'll give you that thing that might help you along. Okay. Hey, Eric, praise God for uh, coming to know the Lord. Thanks for calling. All right, like the show. Praise okay. God. Thanks, Eric. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to Chuck and Layton. Chuck, what's up? Hi. I just wanted to affirm you in your message of anti-religiosity. I come from a conservative Jewish background, oh. and I went through the whole shtick, you know, the Hebrew school after public school, four days a week, uh -huh. Saturday services, Sunday school, uh -huh. all the way through to the bar mitzvah. Wow. And I was always empty, searching for the meaning of life. Religion uh -huh. never brought fulfillment. I always thought if this is all there is to life, we might as well all be dead right now. <laughs> yeah. And Jesus wasn't on the list. He wasn't last on the list. He was nowhere to be found. Yeah. But I found him anyway. Like the scripture says, I was found by those who did not seek me. Yeah. What happened, Chuck? I surrendered my life to him, and uh, I was totally transformed. Uh, oh, everything God. was changed. And uh, to... Uh, 
affirm you also in what you're saying on the 4th of July. I'm also the father of one of our fallen soldiers in this war. Oh. And I can tell you that even through that, I enjoyed the peace that passes all understanding because the soldiers died to give us freedom. Yeah. Yet uh, we have freedom of worship. And the yeah. LDS and everyone else can believe whatever they like. It's their right in this country. That's right. But if your beliefs are not properly placed, you will not have peace in time of trial. And that's the message I travel around and bring to people. You have to have your beliefs properly placed. It's not a popular message in this ecumenical culture. Right. But if your beliefs are not properly placed, you will not have peace through the storms of life. And I tell people that religion is uh, man trying to reform himself to try to win enough brownie points to please God. Right. But it's not done through reformation. It's transformation. Amen. And it's not through... Uh, trying to work yourself into a position where God's going to say, hey, come on in, you've done well enough. Right. But it's when you just surrender yourself to Christ, you come to him as you are, as a sinner, and you say, here I am, and just come into my life. And as you do that, and as you keep yourself on the altar in a position of absolute surrender with each day that goes by, you will find that you will have that peace that passes all understanding. Chuck, I love your testimony. I thank you so much for it. I'm sorry about your loss and your son, but I thank you for the testimony of the love and peace of God that's been with you throughout. Thank you so much for sharing that with us on this, on this very important day in our country. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. God bless. I know. Bye-bye. We're going to Rick in West Jordan, first-time caller. Rick, fire away. Yes, uh, I enjoy your program. Um, I haven't been to church in 20 years. Uh -huh. I used to be a member of a church that was once here. Anyway, I would like you to comment. You were reading out of Ephesians chapter 4. Uh -huh. And in that verse, it says that the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers were given for us to attain to the full stature of Christ. My contention is then that the function of churches is to get you to a point where you graduate and you get your diploma and you go out and you're not under authorities anymore. But you have true liberty to be all you're to be you need to be able to graduate. That's the purpose of church. I, I like that personally. Understand, personally, I, I resonate to that. The problem is, is that in the, in the Word, there are also commands that we fellowship together with like-minded believers. Are you saying that that's written in the context of while we're growing and perfecting in Christ? I just, I don't even know how to answer that. I only know that I was under such a religious structure that I was dying. I yeah. had to get out from under it. And well, you it, made a good move. It wasn't until I quit, I, I gave up on God. Oh. I didn't care if the lightning struck. Yeah. Because death was better than yeah. living slavery. How about now? How, how about now? How about now? Yeah, how are you doing now? I'm doing well. I uh, actually started reading the Upanishad. Oh, you're reading, you're reading that, are you? And um, I have found that I'm more, I'm not looking for someone to liberate me. Uh -huh. It's going to happen within myself. I see. So you've gone Eastern, Eastern metaphysics. And, uh, well, uh, I pray that I think that in yourself you're going to be disappointed. Now, I know that goes contrary, but I think that you're going to find true peace and lasting strength through Jesus Christ. And the Upanishad doesn't talk about him. No, it doesn't. Yeah. It, it, in fact, it talks about non-duality where you right. can even 
have a perception of anything. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate your call, and please keep watching and, and uh, sharing with us. Thanks so much. Bye. God bless. Bye-bye. All right, Aaron. Oh, Aaron in South Jordan, first-time caller. Aaron, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Um, I would like to talk to you to say something. Um, I have lived in other places than Utah, and I am LDS. And let me just say, anytime you have a minority group, that it's going, somebody is you know, probably going to end up feeling left out. It's not right, but it's what happens with people. You know, the people that are not LDS in Utah are minority, so You're a lot right. of the time they feel like... You're right. That, you know, being picked on or something. But it just happens any time that there's a majority and a minority. You're right, Aaron. And, uh, you know, I, I, I see that even in all Christian schools, which I've visited, uh, and things like that. I've seen there's, there's always a click, and uh, it's not just with the Latter-day Saints. In fact, I, I don't have as much of a problem. I don't live here, but I don't have as much of a problem with the day-to-day -day interactions with Latter-day Saints when I lived here. Uh, my problem with, with Mormonism has always been not with the people. It's always been with doctrine. And that's why I try to uh, take and, and refocus that. I know there's people who are in pain whose children have been treated uh, badly. Uh, but like you're saying, any um, majority group is going to probably do that, whether they should or not. Yes. And that, I mean, it just happens that way. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I went to school out of state, not in Utah, and I've had friends that couldn't be friends with me because I was a Mormon, yeah. and their parents would not let them. And it does hurt, and it's not right, but... Aaron, can I ask you a question? Yes. Have you been born again? Um, yes, I have. And so, you, if you were to pass on today, unfortunately, would, would you go straight to the Lord? I believe I would. Celestial Kingdom? Yes. Well, that's good to hear. I, I'm, glad, I'm glad you have that assurance with Him. Keep building on that relationship with Him, Aaron. I'm, it's good to hear that. Thank you. Praise God. Thanks for calling. We're going to Sherry on line four. Sherry, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, uh, good evening, um, Sean. Um, I called a few weeks ago, and I wanted to the name of a church that I can go to, a Baptist church in my area, because I didn't have any transportation. And uh, What area are you in, Sherry? They were supposed to call, excuse me? What area are you oh, in? Oh, in Salt Lake. And they were supposed to call me back, and they didn't, and I didn't get a chance to talk to you. Um, so um, that's why I'm calling back. I did have a couple of questions, but they're kind of lengthy, so maybe I'll save them for another time. Okay. And also I wanted to request if I can have a copy of your book. You can. Listen, can, do you have the Internet? Yeah, I do. Email me and just tell me, give me your address, and I'll send you a copy of the book and a recommendation for a good Baptist church in your area. Okay, what's the email address? It's Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at born again mormon uh, com. yeah it's long i know Do you have a lot of emails that you go through it might take you a week or two to get through mine uh, I, get, I get through them usually uh every week i get through them about every third day oh okay i'll get to it all right well i'll do that i'll email you all right sherry okay. thanks for calling all right bye-bye god bless bye-bye all right we are going to deanna in line on line two first time caller Deanna, welcome to Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. This is Diana from Sandy. Hi. Hi. I wondered if you would please define for me your term of who you are as a born-again Mormon. Who I am? 
I'm a, I'm a term born again Mormon. I'm a Christian. I'm a born again Christian. The reason I'm not a born again Mormon. The only reason that I use that title is because that's the title of a book that I wrote. It's the title of a website I have that speaks to Mormons. And our, the, the reason that we use that title is because I believe in a methodology, I believe in an approach in which people can, who are LDS can come to know the Lord through spiritual rebirth before leaving the Mormon church. When and if they have that experience, that would make them a born-again Mormon. What they do thereafter is between them and the Lord. But I use that term because that's what I was for four years. I came to know the Lord at the side of the road and was still a Latter-day Saint on a high council until the Lord finally led me away. But it wasn't through the Book of Mormon or no. it was through God's Word. It was, no, it was, it was well, God's Word is what uh, strengthened me and helped me see the truth that ultimately led me out of Mormonism, but what led to the spiritual regeneration at the side of the road was me being broken and as a sinner and recognizing my place before God. And I heard that from a preacher preaching on the radio. Uh -huh. So the, the methodology, I know that the t term can be confusing, especially to Christians who refuse to open up their minds and hearts to anything that's different than an extraction method of getting Mormons out of the church before they preach to them. And often that just results in, 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 in nothing. Yeah, so, that's not where I'm coming from, but yeah. I, it is confusing because um, people come to Christ through God's Word, not through the Book of Mormon. Or yeah, but they, they, they come to Christ through God's Word, but I came to Christ by hearing the Word preached on a radio. Right, Yeah. but not, not in an LDS church. No. 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 But you know what? I have to say, I got to be fair. I have people who call and email me who said they've had the Jesus experience in an LDS church listening to a hymn during a, an LDS service and they walked from it later. So I know God is constantly calling to everybody, all of his creations. And where it happens, I guess, isn't up to me or you, but him. Right. And if it happens to be in an LDS church, well, you know, what do we say? It's but, ultimate. But is it not true that the LDS people worship a different Jesus? Yeah, oh, absolutely true. Absolutely. Uh, but you know what? Those things come later. The first thing I believe that needs to come is, is Latter-day Saints to realize that they're sinners and they need to be born again. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you for the call. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. We are going to Renz. I met Renz at Heart in the Park. Renz from Salt Lake City. What's going on? What's going on, bud? Uh, you never called me. <laughs> Renz, you got to email me or call me pr privately on this stuff. You can't call me and <laughs> ask me about my follow-up on the show. Do you have a question or comment? I just wanted to... Uh, talk about the priesthood a little bit i'm not lds or anything uh yeah i just wanted to make a comment on like uh exodus 40 verses 12 through uh 15 where it says that the, the levites aaron was made god's priest forever and forever means forever and uh so i just wanted to ask your opinion on that and in jeremiah 33 where it says uh as long as there's day and night, then I will not take away, uh, I can't remember exactly, but anyway, I wanted to ask you. Well, I mean, if you're not LDS, I, I can't, you're a Christian though, right? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Renz, I believe that Jesus uh, was the high priest. I believe that the Levitical priesthood, uh, 
won't go away. In fact, when the temple is rebuilt, they're going to practice animal sacrifice again. We know that. So we, uh, as far as the priesthood goes, it, when it's relative to the children of Israel, that's one thing. When it's relative to new believers who come to know the Lord through Christ, it's another. Jesus is our high priest. We read in Hebrews, uh, uh, actually all of Hebrews, really gives a great dissertation on uh, how the priesthood fits into who Jesus is, how he's a better high priest than anything that the uh, children of Israel were offered when they were on the earth. But that's my best answer off the top of my head because you're going to some scriptures I'm not familiar with unless I read them. Well, I got some real good stuff that I need to send to you. That send it. Email me, uh, and uh, I will call you. <laughs> I got to get other calls. See you, bud. All right, Renz, bye-bye. Jamie in Springville, first-time caller. Hello? Ja Hi, Jamie. You're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I, I haven't called before, but I really wanted to. I just wanted to talk from that you were saying earlier when you were um, giving your little presentation, your sermon, that it's, it's okay to leave and... And even if you think it's going to be hard and, and whatnot, it's okay. And I just wanted to say I was LDS uh -huh. and left the church about two and a half, three years ago. Um, I'm since born again. Praise God. Praise God. And when I left the church, the, the way it came about, my husband was questioning things, and I was beginning to get ready to go to the temple by myself. And the home teachers came over, and he had lots of hard questions for them that they could not answer huh. regarding Joseph Smith and the early church. And they said, we'll be back next month with a lesson to clear that up, and they never came back. Oh, yeah. So I decided I'm going to find the answers to those questions myself. And so I really began to research, and lo and behold, I found out it's not true. <laughs> a lot of the things my husband was saying were actual and has life gotten more difficult or has it gotten better since you became born again? My personal life has, is fabulous. It's not waking up every morning and knowing I am God's and that is all I need. Amen. And I mean, I praise God for that every day. But it has been harder. When I left, I was in the primary presidency. I was the first counselor. Yeah. We had moved to this neighborhood and they, I the primary was kind of blah, and everyone said, you saved the primary, the kids love you, la, 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 mm -hmm. and now no one even talks to us. So <laughs> yeah, there's a big difference. No one but the Lord. And it is hard, but that's okay, because yeah. I'm with the Lord, he's with me, and when my kids have trouble with the neighbors, and I just remember as teaching them as primary children to follow the prophet and try to be like Jesus, and now I teach them to follow Jesus and become more like Jesus. So Amen. Thank you so much for calling. We're out of time, but we'll talk to you again. Okay, thanks. Okay, bye-bye. Listen, we are out of time. I'm sorry, Travis from Tooele, first-time caller. We ask you, Travis, to call back, please. We'd love to hear from you next week. Um, I want you to know that I have a great love, let me emphasize this, for members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also known as the Mormons. My family are all LDS. I understand the religion well. Um, there's others who understand it far better, but I do understand it well. And I also understand what it means to have a regenerative relationship with Jesus Christ. One that gives you liberty beyond compare. One that gives you peace that cannot be denied. One that gives you strength in time of temptation. And one that gives you rest that when the churches are saying you have to do this and you got to do that and did you serve here and did you fulfill this 
that stuff all goes away and you just rejoice in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints will ask the Lord to take over their lives instead of them monitoring and, and guiding their own lives, asking Jesus to step in, forgive them for the sins that they've committed and are going to continue to commit, and that they will turn their lives completely over to Him to lead and guide them. I promise you that He is faithful. He is calling and waiting to hear from you. And please do that. Give it a shot. You've got nothing to lose. You want to continue to be LDS in your heart and mind right now? Go ahead. You want to continue to, to follow the Gordon B. Hinckley and, and read the other books? Go ahead, but turn your life over to Jesus Christ. Next week, we're going to talk about the Book of Mormon. I hope you tune in at the same time. And we love you. Thanks so much. I'm on a ride Going nowhere I am an existential cowboy On the wind And I won't be coming out I'm going in This man's awake a storm's arising, the dawn's awaiting till a hundred monkeys know. And I can feel the light filled monkeys start.